Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now hey how's it going everybody this is joey galvez and you are listening to the house of indie right here on the gate collective an age of radio network all right welcome to another episode of the house of indie this is joey galvez and just like always i have a guest on the show with me this week i have the one the only sean McArdle. how's it going man Oh, great, Joey. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's been wonderful. Yeah, it's been kind of weird because we I, I had recorded with you. Uh, it's been like eight, nine months probably since the last time I recorded with you. We could not release that episode, so it's kind of like one of those archive lost, lost tapes. <laughs> too hot. Too hot. For, for <laughs> too, <public>. <laughs> <laughs> too hot for TV kind of thing. So uh, too hot for ears. So anyway, uh, we had you back. Since then, we, you had you you were kickstarting uh, Fear and the Tramp, I believe, right? And then uh, and then now it's going to be released through SourcePoint, and uh, we're going to be talking about that this this episode. But since the last time we talked to each other, there's been a pandemic. There's been crazy stuff happening. Uh, you know, books have stopped, all that crazy stuff. But you, sir, have not stopped. You've been going and working you've done a ton of crazy stuff you've even like done like a little music video like let's talk about that okay all right certainly yeah i um i can't settle on one thing i also direct (laughs) um music videos uh and i directed a little short film last year um all that kind of came about at the same time i had this opportunity to direct a music video um for constantine morales he uh he's a broadway guy um and um, that project, okay, so it, it's based on uh, my buddy, uh, my buddy's comic, which is uh, mm-hmm. Swerve. It's a, it's an indie, it's a, it's an indie book that's about uh, pro wrestling and noir. So it's a okay. crime book that yeah. has pro wrestling in it. And so he uses kind of like the tropes of uh, of pro wrestling uh, and the tropes of noir, and kind of combines those together. The storytelling techniques and stuff in wrestling, and the you know swerves are similar to double crosses, and you know you have your heels and uh, your uh, faces, and it's very similar to like the same kind of character archetypes you have in noir. So he kind of mixes both of those. He uh, he had a deal set up at um, Fox Twenty One. Um, and they were developing it as a TV series, and then uh, Fox got acquired by Disney, and that went away. Oh wow! So um, we still had the contacts with like the producers and stuff that were on that, and the the one producer on it, he uh, Dan Forsey, he uh, um, I went out to L.A. It was it was actually for the uh, 
winner we were nominated for an Eisner for uh, for Fear and the Tramp. Uh, went out to the San Diego Comic Con and had dinner with uh, Dan and uh, just talk, just just you know being friendly. Dan's an awesome dude, so you know we're just talking and everything. And uh, he, uh, I could tell that kind of the heat had gone away from Swerve. You know, it, he had he had worked on it for about five years trying to get it made in Hollywood. You know, trying to get and and got pretty far, got really close. To, and then you know, of course, the big giant mouse has to devour everything, and yeah, pretty much anything that they had in development just kind of went away when Disney bought, uh, bought them, uh, bought Fox, and um, yeah, I could tell that he he would kind of moved on to bigger and better projects. So I was like, hmm, there's a way that I could stoke that fire again. So because there's always a project that I liked, I was like, you know, I could direct a short. So I decided to direct a little uh, short film of that. Um, you know, just like a little four minute, five minute short film. And, um, basically the very, very in the intro scene kind of like caps encapsulates everything. So we put that together. Uh, like I said, I have my buddy Constantine. He, um, uh, he wanted me to do a music video for him. And so we kind of made the deal of like, all right, I'll direct your music video if you appear in my short film. So that's what we did. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And then he killed it. Yeah, it was it was really cool because I've been watching this stuff and and I I kind of watched it closely throughout the pandemic. I mean, there was nothing to do. You had some great entertainment. You had some buddies uh, that that you you uh, directed some stuff for them as well, the uh, the band as well. And I followed yeah. them and they played music for everybody. They did like free shows on Facebook and stuff. So it was really cool. Oh, you uh, watched those? Cool. Yeah, That's I did. Cool. Man, I did. I love doing those. It was That's really cool. Monet. My buddies hate Monet. Yeah, they, they, they actually yeah, were. That, that, that's how I got loop, looped in with Constantine. Was yeah, uh, they have the same manager. Oh, cool. So, uh, but my buddies they also produce music. So they produced uh, Constantine's album, mm -hmm. and they recorded a bunch of songs for him mm -hmm. and with him, and produced those songs. It's like the backup vocals and stuff. Yeah. My buddies are Dan and Nate, and then uh, every Wednesday. Well, it's slowed down since you know pandemic's kind of slowing down, and plus you know just like. Most everybody else, they uh, they got pregnant during the pandemic. <laughs> so, like us. Uh, <laughs> well, we yeah. had when we had one during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, you had one during the pandemic. Yeah. So anyway, so everything's kind of tapered off. But we were doing like every Wednesday night, we we're doing a live yeah. show. And so I was filming that. And that was a lot of fun. It was really cool. It was a whole lot of fun. To watch. Yeah, I had to have something to keep me busy during the pandemic. Yeah, otherwise it's gonna go crazy. And then uh, you, you would, you would send me some little teases, and you, you like made me swear to secrecy not to show anybody or talk about it. And you were sending me like little like backstage passes of like these these clips of your your videos that you did, your short films and the music videos mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So I was like, oh man, it was so cool to kind of watch and and kind of be a part of it as you guys kind of uh, you know you know did it. And it, was, it felt like I was a part of history, so it was kind of cool. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I just uh, you know we had a good rapport, and I, I appreciated your feedback, yeah. and you know see what you thought of it <laughs> yeah it was a lot of fun and you know me i'm a huge uh indie band guy uh so so i i, I was i was appreciative to for you sending that stuff to me to occupy my time <laughs> but it was absolutely fun to watch uh and what else was fun was to read this freaking book i i read it the first time that you talked to me about it and, and i'm i'm excited about it coming out to source point now uh, everybody's going to be able to grab it when is it in stores it's in June. It's it's actually in this month's previews, April's previews. 
So and for release in uh, in June, uh, it comes out I think June 29th, um, whichever's the Wednesday, you know, around the 29th. Um, so, uh, but it you know it, it lists in this month's, and that's that's for the whole trade. Now we did it as a a series, uh, you know, a five issue mini as floppies, but um, the very day that uh, the first issue came out, the exact day the first issue came out, well. Almost, you know, comic book stores get their books on Tuesday. Yeah. So yeah. that Tuesday that comic book stores were receiving my first issue was the first day of the shutdown. <laughs> it oh, was literally the first day of the shutdown. I think I remember you talking about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, how did it do, though? Um, I, I think that what happened then was because uh, everything, if you remember back in uh May last year, like a year ago, yeah, the the whole comic shipping schedule just really got messed up. Oh yeah, and it was rough, and that's what happened there. You know, like um, several issues like shipped the same day. Oh, weird. Like, not like the first issue came out, then nothing for several months, and then like in July, like three issues came out in the same day, unannounced. So there was there was a lot of stuff like that. That a lot of confusion. You know, it's pandemic. It's yeah, whatever. I mean, there's worse things in the world than my funny book, you know, not coming out on time, but you know, well, well, we have it, we have it. And I wish it would have done better as floppies, but let's, let's hope that it's going to do good in trade. Horrible. It just could have done. It could have. I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to do signings. I wasn't able to do conventions. I had a bunch of conventions lined up and, um, you know, I had a bunch of store signings lined up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of promotion I was doing. And then whenever that happened, it just kind of took the wind out of my sails. And I was like, I don't know yeah. what to do. I don't even know if people can get this stuff. So <laughs> what's the point? Are we even going to be around? What's the meaning of life? Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> at that point, you know, we're deep. We're way deep into our country turning into a fascist dictatorship. So like, ah, who cares about comic books? <laughs> about <laughs> another one. About another freaking fascist. So, but let's talk about this book. Uh, speaking of fascists, here this one is called "The Fuhrer and the Tramp." Uh, tell us a little bit about this book, uh, really quick. I know some people have already heard about it and all that, but for the people who don't know about it, okay. Yeah, it's about Charlie Chaplin fighting uh, Adolf Hitler while he's making the Great Dictator. Uh, the Nazis and Hitler are trying to sabotage Charlie Chaplin making the Great Dictator, and. Uh, and uh, Charlie and teams up with Hedy Lamar and Errol Flynn to help finish his movie. Um, basically, the the uh, the inspiration for it was: um, Do you remember the, in 2015 whenever um, Seth Rogen made the interview? Oh with, yeah, uh, yeah, with uh, yeah, he made fun of Kim Jong Kim Jong Il. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I mean. That was 2015, so it was much simpler time, and you know, uh, you, something like King Jum Un wanting to assassinate Seth Rogen was just the wildest oh, yeah. thing I'd ever heard in my life. Yeah, you know, now that's like that's Tuesday morning, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but at that time, I just couldn't get down my head. I was like, Jesus Christ, you know, he wants to assassinate Seth Rogen. I mean, look at me, I look like Seth Rogen. I could get assassinated. You know? <laughs> Who wants to assassinate Seth Rogen? <laughs> <laughs> it's thinking Seth Rogen. Right? Like, why would you want to assassinate Seth Rogen? It makes no. He's made no sense to me. He's definitely the most chill guy ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so, I mean, like James Franco, I could understand. <laughs> <I'm teasing. laughs> I love Franco too. Yeah. But uh, 
And so I just couldn't get that through my head. And yeah. like I thought, you know, how thin skinned is Kim Jong Un that, you know, he wants to assassinate Seth Rogen over this mm-hmm. silly movie. Hitler didn't even try to assassinate Charlie Chaplin while he's making The Great Dictator. And I thought, wait a minute. Yeah. What if Hitler tried to assassinate and tried to sabotage the making of The Great Dictator? It's like, that would be a really cool, fun movie. <laughs> yeah. So. And th- and that it is, and it's it's when I first heard of this, I said, "What is this 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 title? What does this mean?" When I got to talking <laughs> to you a little bit more, and and you explained it, I said, "Oh, that would that makes perfect sense. That would be hilarious. I want to I want to read this." And and I I was <laughs> able when when you first sent this over to me like months and months and months ago, um, I was able to read the first issue. And and I and I absolutely loved it. The artwork was great. The pacing, uh, the 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 funnies were there. It, it was all it was all there. So I I really do think that it's gonna do well again. And I think, man, it's, this book ain't going nowhere. Let's let's and cons are slowly slowly coming back. Uh, so so we can now True. you know we can now get people excited for it, and, and talk about it. So uh, man, th- it I I liked it. Uh, it's it was it's a gorgeous book, and that's oh, why I'm glad to hear that. That's why I'm having you back, man, because because yeah, I had to get you back on. So, uh, but let's let's take a small break before we before we get into a little bit more. Uh, let's take a small break, and I, I want to talk to you a little bit more about some of the stuff you did over the pandemic, and then we'll talk to you a little bit more about create okay. uh creative process in in both worlds because you you do oh, you certainly, do certainly. you do both comics and and film, man. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. So okay. When we come back, we'll talk about that right here with Sean McArdle. We'll take a break. All right. Welcome back from the break. And we're still here with Sean McArdle. And a lot happened during the break that you guys in the audio episode, if you're listening audio, you guys don't get to see or hear what, what just happened. But the Patreon supporters do. So as little as $5 a month, you can be a Patreon supporter and see all the crazy stuff that happens behind scene. Just head on over to Patreon.com and type in House of Indie Pod and we'll pop right up and, you know, donate. Why not? That's a lot of fun, right? You guys would have just saw what happened. But anyway... We're here with Sean and uh, we're talking a little bit about this stuff, but I want to know what you did, uh, you know, over the pandemic, man. You did some, you did some short films. You did some music. Uh, you, you, you didn't step away from comic books, but I think you were just like, you know, <laughs> the pandemic, like it was put a damper on things. You're like, screw this for a second. I'm, I can do this right now. Why not? But yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about your creative process with, when it comes to like uh, film and, and and comic books and how similar are they and how do you use you know your your creativity or your creative process to intertwine the two okay so um i see them as very very different to me it's like i see as much difference between comics and film and i think this is obvious but i don't talking to people i just don't see that they make this connection it's as much there's as much of a difference as there is between painting and sculpture, you know? Um, And they're just such different mediums and they require different interactions with the audience. Um, And I, I don't feel that one is better than the other. They just function differently. Um, And there's things that happen with the comic book that you don't get with a film. 
And so I don't, I don't agree with like films that try to just take ex- just shots that are in the comic book and just, and just slavishly try to reproduce stories and shots from the comic because those are made specifically for the page. And the, you know, I used to be someone that thought that, but the more I started to work in comics and started drawing my own comics and writing my own comics and looking at the way that comics are created and how they function and understanding that process and that art form more made me respect it differently than film and realize that there are things that you can do in a comic and there's an interaction that you have with an audience that you don't have in film. For instance, uh, in a comic, you are actively um, working with the audience to create the story. It's not a passive medium. I think film is a little bit more passive because you can just sit there and absorb the story. You know, there doesn't it, it doesn't take a lot of effort or work for the uh, audience to connect with and create the story in their head. It's it's happening right before them. Plus, you have less control as the audience member. Certainly, you can rewind it or pause it or whatever. But uh, as the story is happening, you have less control over that. You know, it's just ha- it's always there's a momentum. There's a forward momentum. It's happening at 24 frames a second, and it just continuously happens. Whereas in a comic book, you open up a page and you see the whole page before you. You see all the panels. You see all the artwork. And you see that entire page or that spread in totality. And then you have, as the audience member, have to consciously read from top left to right, or if you're reading manga, it's the opposite way. But you consciously have to look at each panel, read the word balloons, read the next panel, absorb the art, and read the, the, the balloons or the captions. And all the action is happening in the gutter. Storytelling in comics happens in the gutter and is happening in the audience's head. But you are, at the same time, absorbing the entire book or the entire spread at once and then controlling, the audience member is controlling the, or the person reading it, is controlling the flow of information, uh, which is way different than than film. Um, And so the storytelling has to, like, your, your storytelling in a comic book has to take uh, take that into consideration. And the most powerful thing that you have in your arsenal as a comic as a comic creator is the page turn, because that's the only it's a it's a fraction of a second that that uh, the the reader is grabbing the page and pulling the corner of the page and taking it over and then looking at the next page. So the way that you control the audience is through the design, through straight up graphic design of the word balloons, of the elements on the page, but then also when you reveal certain pieces of information, typically the best way to do that is with a page turn because that's the interaction. That is the immersive interactive element that you have in your disposal is is creating a, a page flow that comes down to that last panel and then whenever you pull the page across and you open up to the next panel, that's that's your moment that you can have a big huge surprise that's that's the only time that you can have like a uh something that grabs the audience and hooks them and surprises them because otherwise if you had a surprise and it's midway through a page as soon as the audience as soon as the reader looks at that spread 
they already in totality see that uh, surprise if it's right in the middle. And then they have to go back and read from, you know, start reading and assembling the story in their head. And they kind of spoiled themselves. So you need to have that surprise, bam, as soon as you turn the page, if, if you're leading up to a surprise. And you have a perfect example of exactly what you just explained right here on page 11 and 12. You have you have a chaplain running away from somebody and he's up on the rafters and he comes bursting through the screen there in that page. And it's in between. And we here we go for all our Patreon supporters. They are looking at exactly what we're talking about here. But in and and you you there's that page turn and boom, here's your surprise right after that. And it's like, boom, exactly like how you explained it. So yeah, Charlie's running through the rafters in the theater. He swings over. As he swings, this guy gets lifted up, and boom, he rips through the... And now there's the, a page turn. The guy, the guy going up, if you're reading it, then the guy going up pulls the curtain open, and then that makes Hitler happy. And then Chaplin rips through the uh, through the uh, uh, screen. So um, yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. Now, this is at the very beginning of me working on this book. Uh-huh. And I got much better at that. Wow! Uh, I think that this is. I, th- I think I think I did a decent job here. No, here here it's it's still powerful. Getting... It's still powerful to me here. Even 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 if it's you know because because as you were explaining it and I'm looking through your book and I'm like oh there's a perfect example and it's still just as powerful even if you do an even better job throughout the book that's just even more amazing but it's still as yeah. powerful here. Here, let me let me show you another one, and, and I don't know if it's gauche to use my own book as an example of this. I mean, Alan no, Moore it's... does it. Some of the best people that do this, Alan Moore and Junji Ito. If you read any of uh-huh. Junji Ito's books, um, Japanese manga creator, yeah, um, he does it really well. Oh wow! But okay, so th- in this portion, Charlie thinks he's uh, going to score with Hetty, and he's getting uh-huh. all undressed, and. Uh, you know, he gets all naked and stuff. And so we're following the panels and she's laughing and trying to get him to stop. And he just <laughs> barreling ahead. Then there's somebody in the shadows and he didn't realize there's somebody else in the room. And then we see the click and the the t- page turn. Bam, it's a double page spread and it's FDR sitting there in, in, uh, <laughs> next to the lamp. Yeah. And Charlie's Charlie's all naked in front of FDR. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like that. Uh, that that that's 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 what I'm talking about. So what this does is you're leading, and, and if you notice, okay, so I have these wide panels, and then mm-hmm. the panels kind of get a little bit thinner and thinner. And mm-hmm. I got better at that too. It's like the the size and the the especially the vertical scale of a panel mm-hmm. creates a rhythm and yeah. creates like tension. So a longer, taller panel is going to create a little more tension. Uh-huh. And then when you go to the next one, and if you're going to something uh, like a small panel like this. Uh-huh then bam to a double page spread that is the most release that you can have and you're that you're that. that's so absolutely right because as you're reading that and you're explaining it too i <laughs> and i'm like i'm like it does feel tenser a little bit more tense i don't know if tenser is a word but uh more tense as they are tall and thin on the and i felt a little bit more warm and excited when that's maybe i'm like okay it, like you said a release a big huge Okay, now there's the reveal. Um, when you have those horizontal big panels, I feel okay, cool. I'm I'm going. I'm moving through the story 
at a pace exactly and, right. I, I'm, exactly and I move right. down and I'm moving through the story even more. And then uh, you're absolutely right. That's it. There is a, like a, a magical thing that, that happens with comic books that only we could probably, uh, you know, imagine. Cause if I tried to explain this to my wife, she's like, she, she'd probably be like, you're, you're nuts. This is nuts. What are you talking about? You're talking about comics. Really? <laughs> is it that deep? See, that's the beauty of it. That's the absolute it, beauty it, of it. And what I love about this medium, it is really that is control. that deep. Yeah. And, and it, it's more, you have more control there than you do. It's a different kind of control. You have the control, but also you're, you made a pact with the reader. Mm-hmm. They we're in this thing together. You know, I'm bringing the goods. I'm going to try to lead you through this thing, but it's up to you to be able to put this thing together. I'm giving you the pieces. Yeah. You have to assemble it. And that's the fun part is trying to that, that activity of getting the audience to, to put it together in their head. And that's what I wrote. It's, it, it lends itself to my storytelling style. But then also that's what I kind of do in my comics. It's creating kind of like little mousetraps. Yeah. Um, like Rube Goldberg machines where one thing happens, causes another thing to happen that causes another thing to happen. Yeah. And you can really do that well in a comic. You can do it differently in a movie. You do it through editing, editing cuts and camera movement. Here you're doing it through panels, panel sizes and page reveals. And uh, it's it's a different rhythm. It's a totally yeah. different rhythm. And I have always wondered, like when I was re- when I would read comics as a kid, and then I'd watch movies, and I'd always be like, you know, we'd always be like, why do they not just make it exactly like the comic books, man? Like what the heck? And, and why? And as I grew older, I I I tend to to learn, uh, possibly through osmosis that that things that are on the page doesn't necessarily transfer to film correctly and i've always right. wondered why is it that much and, and you're clearing it up right here well okay so then the other aspect is okay and why film is different is it's way more collaborative so i'm working with actors and i'm working so the the relationship that i have with my reader when i create a comic book is the relationship that i have as a director working with my actors my crew my cinematographer so uh, if you so what I mean is, as I'm directing a, a, a shot, as I'm putting together a story and I'm directing this thing and, and I'm working with a cinematographer and I'm working with, uh, you know, actors and um, I'm working with the actual confines of the space that I'm in and putting all those things together, that 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 process is is collaborative and you know, they're bringing their best. I'm trying to bring my best. And if I'm a dictator and I come into this thing and I don't collaborate with my crew and with my cast, if you're going to have a worse result because, you know, they're, they're, they're going to go, they're just going to go through the motions. They're not going to be invested and they're not going to bring their best. So there's a little bit of give and take there. And so if you think about it, it's removed. So like I write it, I, I write the screenplay or somebody wrote the screenplay. I go through it, schedule it all out, takes several days to shoot this scene, hours and hours and hours and several days to shoot this scene that you're going to watch in five minutes. Okay. It's several takes next to each other. Could have happened on different days. And I'm trying to keep that consistent tone and keep the mood the same on both days so that whenever I put it together, it doesn't look like 
okay, this day, you know, people were all pissed off and this day everybody was happy, you know? So there, there, there's a whole, there's so many moving pieces and so many things that you're trying to put together. But me as my audience and who I'm collaborating with and who I'm working with, it's them, the actors. And then you go through the editing process, then you're doing it again with editing. You're, you don't have a direct connection to the, to the, the read, to the reader or the audience. You know, because it's going through all these other people. It's going through this other process. That's another beauty of comics. It's direct. It's me, audience. Boom. I am directing the audience. Just like I am directing the cast and crew. You know, it's harder to, for the director than to direct the audience because it's gone through so many piece, pieces and people. And it's, you're playing telephone almost, you know. You're, you don't have that. You have all these people between you and the audience. Whereas with comics, it's you have the writer, artist, you have the writer, artist, storytellers, audience, boom, boom, right together. Okay. And that immediacy, there's something so much more potent about that immediacy. And I think the, the best comic creators realize that. And that's what they're driven to is that. And I think the best, um, Filmmakers are the ones that aren't trying to slavishly recreate this thing, but they understand the medium itself and they understand how it works differently than comics and how to bring bring the best pieces of what cinema can do that comics can't, such as music, such as scores, such as dialogue, such as acting, such as performance. Uh, all of these other different things that film can do differently and bring those elements into the story and try to tell the best story with those elements. So um, that's what I really found. And I, I really found it taking my buddy's book, taking John's book, taking Swerve and taking that those first couple pages and, and then taking those, breaking them down, storyboarding them, creating a script, and then creating uh, a, uh, I mean, it's pretty direct. A lot of it is very, very similar, but a lot of things had to change just because of timing, because of locations, like for a comic book, I can have any location I want, you know, just whatever the artist can draw. Whereas um, there are way more, con uh, con uh, you're, you're more constricted in like what locations you can actually source and find, what kind of things you can get your actors to do and how, and uh, how your actors perform you know, stunts, you know, just all kinds of different things are all these other considerations I don't have to have when I'm sitting down, you know, making a comic book. Um, and uh, shooting schedule is is one of the, mo the craziest things in actually whenever you go to shoot something. Because you're shooting, you're, you're combining all this, you're trying to make as, as efficient of a movie as you can. So you're shooting all the elements that here and it could be across an entire, like, there could be scenes that are at the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie, but they take place in the same location. So you shoot them on the same day or same two days. Well, so much has happened in between those two, you know? So then you're, you're having to balance those things out and uh, trying to keep, you know, it's like, all right, first day we shot here, we were at the beginning of the script and the beginning of the story. Now we're back in the same location. All these other things that happen, now we have to make sure the actors are still in that mode and realize and, and, and are able to switch and go from and shoot stuff from the beginning to the end, to the middle, to the end, to the beginning, back to the end, to the, you're all over the place yeah. <laughs> and, and still keep the story in mind. It's, it's a juggling process more than anything else. 
It's a miracle that any movie is good at all. <laughs> Seriously. The more I direct, the more I realize that it's a freaking miracle that they're even watchable. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and, and I love that because uh, because every time we, we got we got all these people that are like, oh, I'm going to break this movie down and and I'm going to give it all these rotten tomatoes or whatever. It's like, come on. Do you guys know what goes into this? It's amazing. Like I got a little tiny piece of it with this podcast yeah, I, in this audio world. And that's just like a little tiny piece of what you guys do. Like this is just, this is probably not even a fraction of anything that, that anybody in film does. Uh, but, but this audio podcast thing, it's a handful for me, just me to do on my, on my own and keep track of all this stuff. I can just imagine what oh, you guys go through. <laughs> so man, uh, but Wait, here you want, you want to see, Sure. Let's. Would, would you Would you like to see? I'll, I'll try to make it as like audio, uh, as great of an auditory experience as I can because I know some of your listeners are just okay. listeners. Yeah. But then the Patreon Patreon folks they get to see the they get to see the real stuff. Right? Awesome. Yeah. So what are we gonna see here? All right. So this the, the script that I uh, put together. This is the pitch okay. packet that, or the, um, well, yeah, pitch packet basically. So. Um, here, here were the actual pages. Now they were okay. in color, but I, I pulled the color out of them and just just used the actual mm -hmm. pencils. Uh, but this was the beginning of the story. So yeah. bam, bam, you know, so this is this is the first. A lot of the uh, same the first, elements um, from the from the music video are still here, or vice versa. Yeah, they yeah, they, they, they completely are. So um, basically, what happens is you start off here, dude with a bag on his head. Yeah. Um, Okay, there's a guy in a warehouse. He's got a bag on his head, and then all these like really tough looking wrestlers and this slimy looking dude come up, and uh, uh, you know the the guy with the bag on his head has obviously been roughed up and everything. Uh, cigar chomping like the the mafia boss dude sits down and tells him he's like, let me tell you what a swerve is, and then he uh, goes through and starts telling him basically how a swerve functions in wrestling. So then we see the wrestlers. And we see how a swerve works in, in, in the function of a wrestling match. You know, you, you get the audience to expect one thing, and then, bam, you swerve them, and you give them another thing. Now, the thing is with this whole story is this dude, he's a, this um, mafia dude. He's actually a wrestling promoter. And he's using the, uh, the wrestling uh, business as a front for his drug smuggling business. And he's using the wrestlers as his drug mules and his enforcers and his heavies. And uh, we get this guy move in and he owns all of the arenas that the guy is, that the mafia boss is, you know, doing his shows in. So this, uh, this young punk kid, he wants, he wants a cut because he owned, he, he inherited all the arenas from his dad. And, um, so he he wants a cut, but then the mafia dude decides he's going to play play with him and pretend like he's going along with him, but then he's going to swerve him, and so that's what he's telling him. So they get the guy, they have him beat up and everything, and now he's he thinks he's all cocky, and so he's like, "Hey, do you understand what a swerve now is?" And then the guy with the bag on his head is all like, "Yeah, yeah, I think so. Let me try an example of my own." Say this hero of yours, say he made all this cash, but he didn't spread it around. He made a bunch of money. But he also made some enemies. Say this punk ass kid knew that, and then bam, swerve number two. So the the guy with the bag on his head was actually swerving the mafia boss. He I'd already you know. So this just leads us into the story. This was the beginning of the story to to show how uh, 
to to get us into the world of the wrestling and crime at the same time within four page what seven pages and then also show the 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 change in the regime okay so i decided that i was going to make that into a movie and so i wrote the script for it so broke it down into a script and then you know typical screenplay and now i broke it into storyboards now we have camera movements that we have to deal with. We can't just go from you know from from this shot. And I used some of the storyboards, but then I drew some of my own where I had to fill it in. So we take those storyboards and just expand on those and and look at like how does the camera move throughout this? How do we create these scene transitions that are happening in the audience's mind? Um, how do we introduce these characters? They're not just introduced in a panel anymore. We, uh, we've got to introduce them through movements. We've got to uh, introduce them through action, through reaction. Uh, and then also what was shown as the wrestling part, the, ba- the little backstory, it, it was done in like three panels. Here, since I'm going to have, have to actually get actors to come out here and do this thing, I'm going to have to actually get wrestlers in a wrestling ring, I'm going to... S- spread this out a little bit you know i'm going to get some bang for my buck i'm actually going to see some wrestling i want to see some you know big burly dudes you know jump off ropes and pound each other into the ground and stuff you know i want to see that shit you know i want to direct that shit too i think it's cool so like bam right here this is like the first panel if you look at this like i have well how many one two three four five six seven panels seven different shots before we get to the first shot of what was in the comic, <laughs> just to lead you through that, because that's what I'm saying. Like film is so much more propulsive; it's moving forward. So you can't just you know stay on one image. You've got to you've got to fill in all those in between things that are just happening in your head, the things that are happening inside the panel, that all the dialogue that is in here, it's being told within you know one page with a with in about you know a hundred words or so that equates to like you know 30 seconds of film 30 seconds of film is a lot 30 seconds of film is probably about 10 shots if you're going at three three second um three seconds per shot which is generally a decent longer shot three seconds is the higher end of what the average shot is so i've got to fill all this stuff out uh, and make it more interesting, you know? Now, it took us, so here's what we did. So, so Constine had his music video that we wanted to shoot. He was going to be in town just for a week. Um, and I, uh, so I had to try to do double duty on both and try to find ways that we could film his music video and at the same time film my mine. So, we over the course of the week we shot every single day but sometimes we were jumping from like okay we're shooting the music video stuff in the in the morning and then in the evening we're going to go to a strip club and we're going to shoot you know actually it was the other way around we shot the strip club stuff in the morning when our strip club was was closed um and then in the evening we went and shot stuff for the music video um so there were long days we're talking 12 12 15 hour days sometimes for six days so but we were doing two projects at once and a man about killed me oh it's a lot and it's a lot to juggle but that was the only way that i could get that i could attract that kind of talent you know that i could get somebody like constantine and at somebody at constantine's level to appear in my little short film and i have a budget of like you know very little 
you know, we had a very, very small budget <laughs> um, that we put together ourselves. <laughs> and so we're trying to do as much with that as possible. Now, that was the week that we shot with Constantine, but then we had a whole other day that we shot the wrestlers. That was a whole other day that we that was like a month later. We had all the wrestlers come in. We had to take all the COVID precautions and stuff. COVID makes it harder because we can only have like, you know, by the, by the, um, to be compliant with, uh, with, you know, with my state, we could, we could only have, uh, like a crew of, I think it was six. Wow. Or basically it turned, it was something like that. We can only have like 10 people on set, you know? Wow. So, uh, and then, you know, everybody had to get tested, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, it was a lot. It was, it, it was, it was, it was a lot. The big thing is it's the, what you really don't see with any of this. What the, the I mean, you see it here. You saw it in my storyboards. Yeah. You saw it in the script. I could show you like the, 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 the shot list and like the actual planning and like where we're supposed to be out. I have to, I have to count for every, like all of that. It's like, okay, we only have a half an hour to get this scene. And these are the people that we need in this scene. These are the actors we need. This is the crew that we need. We have a limit of 10 that we could have. So, you know, we got to keep everybody moving, you know, it's, and it, it was about scheduling. The scheduling was took it took more time to do the scheduling than anything else. Just break that down and schedule that out. Now this is a very very small production. Typically, an assistant director does all the scheduling. Okay. But I didn't have an assistant director. So it was all I was you. doing both. Wow. Uh, and that 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 that's that that's one of the parts of the film industry that never gets seen. That is the hardest part of the film industry that I've ever seen is the scheduling, figuring out when all those things need to be shot, trying to get as much done from each location, get everybody in there, the cast and crew that needs to come in there and like, you know, build, build the set, build the walls, you know, and all these things had to be scheduled so that, you know, the sets are built and everything's up by the time the cast gets there and the crew's ready to shoot. And by that time you already have your lights in, you have all of all of your gear in, you have it, it's it, there's a lot of moving pieces. Wow. And so, so how long did it take you guys uh, to, to shoot something like this? Uh, like, okay. So it took about a week of the, with Constantine. Then there was just one day with uh, the wrestler. So it was like, I, so total, if we took out the music video, it's probably five days. I okay. Would say a solid five day shoot. Five days shoot. If we took out the music video. part. Yeah. And how many hours do you know? Oh, I have no idea. Hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds because of hours. There, because there was other scenes that we had to go do pickup mm-hmm. shots. Like there was like an, a drug deal done in an yeah. alley, so we had to go pick that up. And there's another like four hours, you know, that we did on a completely different day. You know, that was just that was interesting too. So like, <laughs> it was a drug deal in, in the back of a, of a of a car, you know, like in the trunk and stuff. And there's drugs and there's a bunch of coke in there and everything. And um, uh. You know, it needed to be kind of slightly period specific. It was, there's no way on my budget that I was going to really make it look like the 1970s, but I wanted to kind of push it, make it look like the 70s a little bit. So, um, my buddy Dan, you know, we were talking about the, the band, his uncle Kiko, uncle Kiko has like an old charger, uh, and, uh, he drives it around all the time and stuff. You know, he loves his car. So it's like, and, you know, that's one thing as a filmmaker is you can get like, you've, you need some, like a cool classic car. You know, an Uncle Kiko that has a cool yeah. classic car. He wants people to see yeah. his cool classic car. You know, yep. <laughs> he wants that to be on screen. So it's like, hey, Uncle Kiko, can you, like, 
bring your car and yeah, no charge, you know, just bring your car and park in an alley and we'll do a pretend drug deal on the back end of this alley, put the lights in that alley really quick and stuff. Get We did get a permit from the city to do it, but still it's like, yeah, I go, we're just, in a, we're just an alley in a city, you know, yeah. <laughs> in <a> downtown. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we have it all set up. Well, uh, the day, the, the week, no, it was a couple, just like two or three days before the shoot, I call up Kiko and I'm like, hey, Uncle Kiko, uh, you ready to bring out your challenger? And he's like, oh man, I completely forgot about that and I just put it away in storage. It's like, oh shit. So I'm, <laughs> I now have to find a car. The car is the whole scene. So now I have to find a car. Finally found a dude that had one. I don't even know this dude, but he thought it was a cool project. I showed him what we had shot before. He had a car, but it had no engine. <laughs> so he put it on a flatbed and brought it to the alley, dropped it off in the alley, then drove down the street and parked and let us sit there and shoot our little movie oh, with his, that's his car. Awesome. That's freaking cool. <laughs> man, that's awesome. <laughs> but the entire shoot is just like that. That's shit awesome. Shit like that is the entire shoot is just like making stuff up on the fly. You know? I bet, man. That's I bet. the biggest thing with directing. <laughs> Way different than comics. Yeah. And that, that's why, like, I can't even criticize a movie anymore because it's like, oh, my God, uh-huh. I know how fucking hard it is to make that shit. <laughs> you know, I don't care how big of a piece of shit the movie is. It's like, I know that was really hard to make. I bet. Uh, yeah. It yeah. is so hard. You have a newfound. There's yeah. So many, like. Moving parts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Moving awesome, parts. man. Well, like, I. I appreciate you. We can go on and on and talk for days. I, and, I, and I love talking to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This just means that you got to do more cool projects. I want to see, right. I want to see a short film about this book. Fear in the tramp. That would be oh, really yeah, cool. I know, right? It'd be so cool to do something like that. Um, oh, it'd be so hard. I don't even know how to do it. That would be so hard. You'd have to have people dress up like Nazis, man. That, that, would, be, that would be that would be so weird so to fun. see in an, in in an alley somewhere. That people are filming. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, the the look yeah. on people's faces. Right now, so I just I'm working on I'm working on the second draft of the screenplay for Swerve because we want to do this thing as a feature. Yeah, this would be cool. And, you know. Uh, I'm signed on as a director and producer of it. I'm attached to it. Fantastic. Um, and once I get this, I, once I get the script tight, tidied up and put together. And like I said, a lot of it is exactly what I'm talking about is you can't just take the comic and just turn the panels into shots. Once I started looking at it and that's, that's what the first draft was. Uh, John wrote the first draft and I asked him to do that. I literally asked him, it's like, all right, so you write this first draft, just take every panel and turn it into a shot. And then we'll just lay it down and see how it reads. And the thing is, there's just so much, there's so much tissue in between the scenes that you don't need in a comic, but you desperately need in a movie. And then there's so many different, like, then also, you know, I, and John gave me permission to do this. We're, you know, he's my buddy uh, and he trusts me. But, you know, there's there's certain like storytelling uh, techniques and storytelling like uh, themes and stuff that is more John than me. You know, there's certain ways that he treats a character that it's like, eh, I wouldn't do it that way. But now is my opportunity. is like, OK, well, I'm going to rewrite this and I'm going to change it up a little bit to reflect more my personality and more. You know, I need to be emotionally invested in this thing. And going back to that, that talking about like you, like what you're saying, like why can't they just copy the comic book or whatever? Do you really want that? Because what you're saying is that the director is going to put way more time and effort into this and way more headaches into this project 
than the than the comic team did certainly most definitely and do you want him just to be copying what kind of product are you going to get right how emotionally invested could he be in this project Mm -hmm. if all he is doing copy is copying somebody else's thing so i find that too like whenever i'm rewriting the script it's like i i want to see some of me in this because that those little parts you may not even notice it or you might might not resonate and people won't know but i know what's my kind of like storytelling flourishes and those are the ones that because i don't care about wrestling but these storytelling beats that i'm putting in there these humanistic pieces that are more me that talk about fatherhood that talk about uh um uh that 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 talk about love that talk about you know these other aspects of the story that, that were kind of under the surface and not really developed but those are the parts that get me and that's what gets me excited and makes me want to make this thing. That's what keeps me driven to make it without those. I'm not so driven to make it, you know, yeah. and if I am, I'm just copying what some, what someone else did. You know, I'm, I'm just tracing, you know, I want to, I want to get in there and create. And that's a big part of it too. You know, the other thing is now I have to take these roles and there's a lot of roles that are just like tiny little small roles, but that has to be cast. There has to be a person in that role. And I need to make even those small roles, give them enough meat that an actor's like, ooh, I can't wait to deliver that line. I can't wait to be in that movie. I can't wait to have my cool moment. So now I need to give all those other people, they're just a little drawing in the book. Now that that's an actual actor. And I need to attract that actor. And to attract that actor, I need to make them like jazz to be in it. I need to give them something <laughs> yeah. that they have their moment to shine, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Let everybody know where they can find this book and when uh, Fear and the Tramp is going to be coming out. Or, or Fear and the Tramp. Fear and the Tramp, you can get comic book stores. It's, uh, like I said, it's listed in this month's previews. APR 21, 1923. So the 21 is because it's, you know, 2021. So APR 21, and then it's 1923 for the... Um, um, the previews code that's the order code and uh, uh if you if you did pick up the min the minis as a, I, I love you I, I i give you a big hug and kiss and when we're covid safe and able to do so thank you so much for picking it up but there it's substantially different not a lot but i had to, i had to add a lot of pages uh i had some editorial suggestions and changes once I see it all laid out, I, there's like, okay, there's a couple little story beats that I missed that I decided that I needed to add to the graphic novel. Plus also then I have, there's a, a substantial annotations at the back that I go through and I point a lot of my references and stuff. Man, I don't know. I did it because, you know, that's what I like. If I pick up a graphic novel that I like, I like to see like, oh, you, so this is this is what you're doing. You know, I like those annotations. Yeah. So yeah. If you don't like them, don't read them. But, you know, free. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no, <laughs> definitely. Free with the I love it. Your I love it. So yeah, head out to your shops and, and pick that up and get, order it now from Previews World. It hit it, hit it up. Uh, Sean, it, it, as always, it's wonderful to talk to you. I feel like we can sit down and talk for days, man. It's a whole lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right yeah, we well thank you thank you for hanging out thank you for supporting me i will always support you uh and anything you do i love it all oh thank you thank you Joey. you're welcome all right we are appreciative for all of you guys hanging out with us right here on the house of indie 
and exclusive to The Geek Collective, an age of radio network. We'll see you next time. Can you say the house of Indy? At the house of Indy.